I'm Emmeline Posner. For the last nine months, I reported on the sale of the Tudor Gables, a historic housing cooperative in Kenwood. It seemed as though the building was on the path to recovery. The board had settled a court case and wrapped up a much-needed $3.4 million rehab project. But then, in 2021, the building sold off-market to a rental company. What happened? For nine months, I interviewed experts and former members of the building, trying to understand what happened to the building and what it meant in the context of Chicago's housing crisis. Next door to the co-op, a townhome association was struggling too, but the city intervened, and now it's helping the association members restructure their board and rehab several units. This article, the third and final story in the series, looks at the importance of collectively owned housing in Chicago and the challenges that the members of some of these buildings are facing. The story was reported and written by me and read by Chima Ikoro. What happened to the Tudor Gables? Part three. What's to come for the 4800 block of South Drexel Boulevard? By Emmeline Posner. Johnny Rayleigh looks out of the window of her apartment in the senior home on 48th Street in Cottage Grove and can see the back of her former home, the Tudor Gables. Rayleigh wonders what's to come of it. Across the alley sits the gables, the red brick of its back walls, a stretch of the roof, and the tips of the white ornamental spires. Three of the spires are still missing, as they have been for years. The Tudor Gables, a longtime Black-owned housing cooperative on Drexel Boulevard, has been empty now for two years. It's undergoing renovations. But Rayleigh still gushes when she talks about the building, with its red and white stucco facades and the slate tile roofs that face the boulevard. I just never seen a building designed as beautiful as the Tudor Gables, she said. Rayleigh bought into the cooperative in 1988 and for years helped run a building support group called the Benevolent Club. Now 88, Rayleigh thought she'd live out the rest of her days there. Then, in the fall of 2020, the co-op board received an off-market offer on the building. The board president urged members to vote to sell, citing financial distress and fear of foreclosure. Rayleigh said of the sale, it was just a shocking thing. Everybody seemed to love the building so well. Some members told the Herald and the Weekly they felt serious reservations or grief or anger about the prospect of selling. But in the end, the vote to sell passed. When the board of the Gables signed off on closing documents in March 2021, it threw a spotlight on the health of the neighborhood's collectively owned housing. From the 1950s up until the sale of the Tudor Gables, there were more owners than renters on the west side of the 4800 block on Drexel. In two years, that ratio flipped. In 2019, the city pulled two associations near the Gables into the Troubled Building Initiative. It's an interagency program that allows the city to intervene in at-risk or abandoned buildings. Townhome associations are another form of collectively owned housing, which is also referred to as Common Interest Development, or CID for short. 
According to the city's spokespeople, both associations have been struggling for years with building code violations and operations. These three buildings aren't alone in struggling to keep up. Housing experts say that CIDs across the city have become vulnerable to failure as their buildings and original owners age. In the last decade, that stress has been compounded by developer interests. As interest rates dipped and it became profitable to convert collectively owned buildings into rentals, developers zeroed in on CIDs. They bought out hundreds of condo buildings across the city. CIDs have long been avenues for building wealth by low- and medium-income Chicagoans. But they are increasingly being replaced by apartments, with rents far outpacing what many can afford. Now, 312 Properties prepares to lease out 116 units in the former Gables Co-op. And next door, a city-selected developer is getting started on renovations of five vacant units at the Drexel House and Gardens. The two buildings offer diverging visions for the future that struggling CIDs may face and the fate of some of the city's affordable housing. The Promise of CIDs. The 4800 block of Drexel Boulevard isn't an outlier in Kenwood. According to DePaul University's Institute for Housing Studies, more than one of every four housing units in Kenwood is a condo. But if you factor in co-ops and townhome associations, which are technically classified differently, that brings the number of housing units under some form of collective ownership closer to one out of every three. Co-ops, condos, and townhome associations have different ownership structures and histories. But what they have in common is that they're often more accessible to a widespread of people, single-parent households, young people, lower-income families, retirees, and others living on fixed incomes. Buying a share or unit in an association tends to cost much less than a standalone single-family home. And the collective structure allows members to share the burden of repairs and maintenance, reducing each individual household's share of expenses. Cooperatives have often been singled out as the most promising CID for expanding affordability. A 2004 report from UIC's Voorhees Center found that co-ops, and in particular, affordable co-ops, were an important part of the affordable housing landscape in Chicago. At the time, city rents and single-family home prices were already outpacing wages, making lower-income residents at risk of becoming rent burden or displaced from the city altogether. The report concluded that co-ops offered a way for residents to create a bubble of affordability in an increasingly unaffordable city. The report also found that the city's existing co-ops had sustained themselves despite lacking educational resources, access to banks that would lend, and policies that would support their development and maintenance. The authors recommended a number of policy changes at both the city and state levels that would expand opportunities for co-op ownership. The report's project manager, Itai Zalalem, said that there have been small, piecemeal efforts by different entities to provide policy support. But in the time since, previous avenues of federal support for co-ops have ended or waned. For example, the Chicago Mutual Housing Network was the grassroots organization that requested the aforementioned 
2004 report from UIC's Voorhees Center. But it folded several years ago, ending a source of support. Zalalem is currently co-director of the Voorhees Center. He said, we really need to promote the possibility to gain equity from people's investments in housing. Some of the co-ops that exist today are really not supported by the policy, but by the commitment of the initial owners who fought to bring it to fruition. What's in a deconversion? The Tudor Gables is one of at least six co-ops to sell in the last decade. All but one of the buildings are on the south side, between Bronzeville and South Shore. The sale of the Tudor Gables was not an easy decision for members to vote on. Some said they voted to sell because they felt they had no real choice. Accepting the offer from 312 would mean receiving a payout for their unit and relocating. But if they rejected the offer and the building continued to struggle financially, they would risk possible foreclosure and likely have to relocate anyway, potentially without compensation for their shares. But after the vote to sell passed in September 2020, what they weren't expecting was for the transfer of ownership to be disruptive and traumatic. Without warning, members said the board withheld around 40% of members' payout in case of tax liability. After 312 Properties assumed ownership of the building in March 2021, they gave members three months to relocate. Some members were unable to locate new housing in that time frame and stayed in the building past the move-out deadline. Residents said that 312 contractors took the doors off the building's main entrances allowing scavengers to come in and remove items from the building. The residents also said that contractors shut off utilities and began a gut rehab while people were still living in the building. In a statement, 312 wrote that rehab work of vacant units started when there were over 112 of 116 empty apartments with proper plans, permits, and procedures in place. They denied that utilities were ever shut off at the property. Public records show that a no-water complaint was filed via 311 on July 16th and that the Department of Water responded to a water shutoff request on August 2nd. At the time, two residents reported still living in the building. It's not just at the Gables that residents have questioned 312's commitment to safe housing and tenant rights. At another building, just two blocks down from the Gables, former tenants detailed a similar transfer of ownership process. They alleged that 312 basically evicted tenants with valid leases by performing extensive interior demolition and shutting off utility services to the building. The case was filed in 2019 and settled under a confidential agreement in January 2021. The company owns five properties on Drexel and 11 others in nearby neighborhoods. At some of these 16 buildings, tenants have reported serious rodent infestations, leaks, mold, sewage backups, and unsecure entrances, as well as unresponsive and inadequate repairs for management. Last December, tenants of the 4520 South Drexel Boulevard building reported that the heat went out and pipes burst during an extreme cold snap over Christmas weekend 
flooding several apartments. Earlier this year, the city filed a lawsuit against 312 for the housing conditions there. 312 co-owner Raphael Lowenstein said that they take building issues and tenant concerns seriously and are working to resolve the lawsuits. Lowenstein said, The pipe ruptures was an unfortunate situation that we've learned a lot from. We've remedied almost everything on that docket and are hoping to be out of court soon. When asked why tenants should want to live in the Tudor Gables, despite the company's track record with building code violations, co-owners Raphael and Ariel Lowenstein said they have improved upon construction methods and contractor relations. They say that will be reflected in improvements to the building's intercom wiring, porches, and plumbing systems. They also plan to have maintenance staff living on site at the Tudor Gables. In May 2022, the city cited 312 for using unlicensed plumbers during rehab work at the Gables. 312 said this was due to a miscommunication and have since come into compliance. We only work with licensed contractors, an email statement reads. We want to bring the building back to, you know, being just a beautiful building on the block that has a great story and a great history, Raphael Lowenstein said. The Gables wasn't technically an affordable, limited equity co-op, which is the type of co-op that the Voorhees Center focused on in its 2004 report. But the Gables was de facto affordable. For the majority of the last two decades of the co-op's operations, the monthly assessment that members paid hovered between $300 and $600, depending on the size of the apartment. That allowed members across various income levels, including those on fixed incomes, to live there comfortably. Kenwood, like the rest of Chicago, has seen rents and property taxes continue to rise. The average rent in Chicago hit a high watermark in November 2022 at $1,925. Rental rates on Drexel aren't far behind. 312 Properties said that when the Gables opens as rental housing, apartments will range between $1,650 and $2,500. Next door, at the Paramore Apartments, Mac Properties rents its units for about the same rate. As wages remain stagnant, residents' housing burden is increasing. Roderick Wilson is the executive director of the community organization Lugenia Burns Hope Center. He says that this is a major concern. In nearby Bronzeville, Wilson says he has been hearing from renters about dramatic rent hikes, sometimes as high as 20%. Wilson says the combination of market-driven rents and an unlivable minimum wage produces displacement and neighborhood instability. He says, when we have rising costs, you have shifting populations, people become transient. Who can afford it now can't afford it next year. Many former Gables members moved out of the neighborhood. Some relocated to nearby Bronzeville, others to Hyde Park or South Shore, and others out of the city or state. Rayleigh, the Gables owner of 40 years, said she felt lucky to be able to relocate nearby to the senior home across the alley. She said, it was just a miracle. I certainly was then hoping that I wouldn't have to move into a new neighborhood that I didn't know anything about. 
As rents and property taxes rose and new developments were approved, neighborhood leaders saw it as an essential time to intervene in other struggling co-op, condo, and townhome associations. Prentice Butler is the chief of staff for outgoing Alderman Sophia King of the Fourth Ward. He said, there's a legitimate fear that people are being displaced. We have to make sure we are stabilizing and protecting longtime residents from the burden of rising taxes. Back in 2019, the Fourth Ward office started meeting with residents of two struggling townhome associations on Drexel. The office wanted to help these associations chart a path forward. That led to coordination with the Department of Housing to pull the two buildings into court. Through the city's troubled building initiative, the two associations were able to reestablish board leadership and rehab parts of the properties. One of these two townhomes sits directly to the north of the Tudor Gables building. The Drexel House and Gardens was built between 1954 and 1955 by architect Bertrand Goldberg. He wanted to show that it was possible to create housing that was both well-designed and affordable without subsidies. The 64 townhomes fill a parcel that takes up a third of the block. Two long rows of townhomes run down the parcel center with four smaller pods of townhomes to the north and the south. In archival pictures, the development looks utopian, like a campus or a mini city. Chief of Staff Prentice Butler said that in the last decades, the buildings have accumulated code violations and complaints from ward constituents alleging that drug dealing was happening on the property. The Drexel House and Gardens had several units boarded up, and the wall at the property's back edge was crumbling. He also said that the association was not functioning as it was supposed to. The affordable housing nonprofit, Neighborhood Housing Services, is acting as a developer. Earlier this year, it acquired ownership of five vacant units. According to a Department of Housing spokesperson, when the rehab is completed, the units will be sold to home buyers at affordable rates. The Center for Shared Ownership has been working with residents to reestablish board leadership. The center is acting as a consultant in the process. It's the result of a recent partnership between two longtime nonprofits focused on community development and affordable housing, the Chicago Rehab Network and the Chicago Community Loan Fund. The Chicago Rehab Network Executive Director Kevin Jackson said the two organizations joined forces in 2019 after recognizing a void in resources for owners of CIDs, the term for collectively owned housing. The Center for Shared Ownership is focused on providing education and support for CIDs and their association boards. For Jackson, that's an essential first step towards building stabilization. He said that without strong governance and financial management, it can be virtually impossible to secure a loan. He estimates the center has been contacted by 40 CIDs to date. It's just one step towards the goal of preserving affordable housing. Jackson said, a shortage of affordable housing in and of itself requires an incredible roll-up-your-sleeves approach. But as investors snap up more residential properties, he says there's a need for more policy to help promote CID ownership. In July 2022, City Council approved a pilot program to help condo and co-op owners in South Shore refinance and rehab their units. The ordinance was introduced as part of a multi-pronged effort to minimize ongoing displacements 
due to the housing market and the development of the under-construction Obama Presidential Center in Jackson Park. Kevin Jackson said, this measure is a promising first step. For the city to come in and say, we understand those concerns. What's the alternative? We hope to grow that, Jackson said. Anti-displacement actions around the incoming Obama Presidential Center have been concentrated in Woodlawn and South Shore. But several large developments in Kenwood and Bronzeville have been announced or have broken ground, raising the possibility of change and questions about what that change will bring. The city has broken ground on the $3.8 billion Bronzeville lakefront mega-development to the north. And Northwestern University is moving forward with its $100 million outpatient facility on 48th and Cottage Grove, less than one block from the Drexel House and Gardens. Cornelius Rogers has been an owner in the Drexel House and Gardens since 2019. He said he wants the association to stabilize without becoming unaffordable. I want all the units to be occupied, Rogers said. I want to make sure that it's affordable, that it works. Once the rehab units are completed, the money from the sales will go back to the association and build a reserve fund. A step in the right direction for both neighborhood development and the preservation of affordable housing. There is no guarantee that city intervention would have altered the course of the Tudor Gables. The co-op had recently gotten out of housing court, obtained a mortgage, and did millions of dollars of rehabilitation work before it sold. Jackson hopes that the services provided by the Center for Shared Ownership will help other CIDs from getting to the point where they have little choice but to sell, and that the city and state will consider policies that fund and support new and existing cooperatives. That might increase housing security for longtime residents across ages and income groups. Two years after the sale of the Gables, Johnny Rayleigh is one of the only former members who continue to live on the block. There's a hint of disbelief in her voice as she talks about watching the transformation of the Gables from her current apartment in the senior home across the alley. In the early 2000s, Rayleigh watched the senior home be built from the ground up. She said, I never had no idea that I would be living in one of the apartments. My name is Chima Ikoro, and this audio article was produced by Arissa Apentaku.